let me preface this by saying, and this will kind of lead to the rest of our conversation. I was a statist. I was yeah. an army officer. I, you know, went to West Point. Um, I believe that my wife's autoimmune conditions that she previously had that she no longer has any trace of now for seven years were caused by, in part by Epstein-Barr virus. And mm-hmm. all of these things I'm, I'm saying contextually because when you set aside your preconceived notions and simply explore what is true, obviously you're going to have some bias there. Yeah. Um, you find that we, meaning the, the human race, don't know shit, yeah. for lack of a better term. You, we don't know shit. And I am very wary of both authorities and especially authorities who claim with a level of certainty to know that X uh, thing is the thing and this yeah. is how X behaves and how, this is what X produces and this is the... Yeah phenomenon that is caused by x etc 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 so so i, I want to just jump right in um yeah. i think i'll ask just a, a very direct question what is your take on sars cov2 and viruses in general so two separate things um the 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 question of sars cov2 is there is un, no question in my mind that people who had every intention of disrupting and harming humanity and people who had every intention of building things that would ultimately toxify the environment to make human life more unattainable so that they could have greater control, used a series of biological weapons creation efforts to create a branded terror campaign. The branded terror campaign was a campaign that included the term SARS-CoV-2, which was a term that was necessary because... They had declared SARS-CoV-1 eradicated. And it kind of sucks if you're going to try to sell a fear narrative to go that the thing that we said was eradicated is back, because that would suggest that science that declared it eradicated was wrong. And obviously, you can't do that if you're trying to run a terror campaign. So Mm -hmm. SARS-CoV-2 was a branding campaign conducted during the month of February in 2020. The... ICTV, which was the International Committee on the Taxonomy of Viruses, published on March the 2nd, 2020, their official brand that said that there was, quote, a novel pathogen. That novel pathogen was going to be branded SARS-CoV-2 so that we were ethnically, you know, allegedly ethnically sensitive to the Chinese. And that there was a, quote, disease, in their words, caused, in their words, by this thing. They branded the disease COVID-19, but they were very clear to stipulate that there was no disease. It was a set of symptoms, Mm -hmm. and those symptoms were commonly associated with influenza-like illness and have been associated with influenza-like illness for it's an amalgamation of symptoms that that are not years. So, so this idea that it was quote a novel disease Mm -hmm. was a branding campaign. And so let's stipulate for this conversation that the entirety of the last four years was a premeditated act of domestic and international terrorism. And most importantly, the perpetrators admitted to that very fact in 2015. They said they were going to make an event where the media hype would drive the public to demand a medical countermeasure 
called a vaccine. Hmm. So for, for that, the, the unambiguous nature of what this is, it was domestic and international terrorism. It was collusion. It was racketeering in 2015. They actually stipulated that they were going to commit the crime in 2015, and they executed the crime on schedule. The second piece of your question is actually a much more difficult one, simply because we're dealing with a piece of terminology that has morphed since it was introduced in the 14th century. Agree with that. Totally agree with that. So yep. insofar as virus means, in Proto-Italian, means poison, do I believe there are poisons in the world? The answer is unambiguously yes. And the reason is because I've had poisons injected into me. And I know that the poisons had an effect, which was the desired effect. So insofar as do we believe there are poisons? Absolutely there are. And there's no question that poisons are, in fact, sometimes accidental and sometimes intentionally introduced to cause incapacitation or death. Yep. Insofar as is there a microparticle coming up into the 18th century, is there a microparticle involved in the causation of disease that we then now rebrand? And by the way, once again, it's branding. We rebrand a virus and we then try through the cunning use of language to subtly replace the actual multi-century use of that term, which is poison, which there is, for a causative agent of anything, the answer is absolutely not. Causation, which was invented in 1663, very specifically, causation is an illusion of the intellectually lazy. The idea that we can identify out of the plurality of conditions in the universe, every single factor that creates the condition giving rise to a thing mm -hmm. is as hubris-filled and delusional as the Council of Nicaea was in the fourth century trying to pretend that they could take the infinite of the divine and dictate in a couple paragraphs the sum total of what it meant to have religion. This idea that we can be reductionist to the point of stupidity, where we decide that we are going to pick the ontology and the frame in which we're going to understand nature, and then have the audacity of saying we're going to get to causation, is beyond the pale of idiocy. And it's important for people in this conversation to understand that when Gottfried Liebens in 1663 published his dissertation, which gave us modern regression. It's important to realize that in the same year, two important things happened. We actually were doing heretic witch and heretic burning trials in Europe. And the guy who wrote the fundamental mathematics behind which causation regression is derived was a Lutheran being sponsored by Catholics in a town where people were being burnt for being Lutheran. So let's be abundantly clear that there was a tiny motivation for a guy to come up with an explanation for causality, which he was commissioned to do by Catholics, so that he didn't get himself burned at the stake by the exact same people who were paying him. 
And if we actually understood that causal regression is derivative of that, and every single thing we call medicine and science right now is a direct derivative of a fallacy that was established and published in 1663, if we understood that, we'd be having a different conversation. Got it. So just just to be clear here, so when we're talking about a virus, I'm not talking about the previous definition of poison. I'm talking about a tiny replication competent obligate intracellular parasite consisting of a genome surrounded by a protein coat that is an infectious yeah, particle. All bullshit, particle. 100% bullshit. Everything okay. you just said, 100% bullshit for a simple reason. Beginning in 1768 and moving up until its codification in 1869-1870, we took a world that once upon a time was described largely through natural philosophy and frequencies and we decided to turn it into a world defined by chemistry. Agree. And here's where the problem kicks in. When Mendeleev created the what we now refer to as the periodic table, he took upon himself the idea that somehow or another chemistry was the descriptor of life. Mm -hmm. And every word you just used to describe what we think we call viruses today is derived from a chemical-mediated model of a system that, by definition, is not chemical. Mm -hmm. So, insofar as do those words exist? Yes. I mean, when I got my PhD... Yeah, but does the, the, thing, does the thing exist? Do the things uh, that, that... So, that is the common definition of viruses in virology. Do well, those so, things yeah, exist as physical particles, and is there proof that they cause disease? Well, see, that's the problem. The, the, the causal question is by its definition of well, let's set that let's set that aside then is there is there sufficient proof that those exist in the fluids of a sick person that well once again can we measure something in something the answer is if we're looking for a thing we can find a thing anywhere that's the nature of regression based science regression based is there science proof of santa claus i'm On, sorry genuine question is there proof that santa claus exists there's no question. I can go to a shopping mall right now. Well, not right now, but I can go to a shopping mall in December. And if a Santa Claus is defined by a fat man in a red suit, then the answer is yes. That come, okay, if Santa Claus is defined as a man who comes down your chimney and delivers presents and flies on a... Uh, I think that's called Jeffrey Epstein. But yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I got you. But, but is there, in, in that case, then, what we're talking about is things, the existence of right, things. But, but here's the problem. That things. That, that's where we get trapped, and that's where we will not get trapped in this conversation, because here's the thing. If I'm looking for the Higgs boson, I can go out and I can create a multi-billion dollar device. I can mm -hmm. smash what I call high energy particles into an observation screen. I can derive from it a bug splat. And I can say, look, I found the alleged God particle, except mm -hmm. for the fact that when they did that and spent billions of dollars of things looking for a thing, what they found was something other than what they were looking for. And so they decided to go back and fix the machine. Mm -hmm. And Alec, this is where the problem lives. If I decide to tear the world apart and try to look for the smallest atomic particle, I can find it anywhere. So is there a thing somewhere? The answer is, of course there are. There are tons of particles. And if we destroy nature and take it down to its destructive limits, I can find anything in anything. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. 
The problem is, in 1663, the disputation on separation, which gave rise to the entirety of regression science, said that the way to understand the world is to take it down particle by particle till you get to the smallest particle. And no, no surprise, we get to this thing we call a virus, and we go, ooh, there's a particle, and it's with sick people. Yeah, well, but is the there sufficient problem. proof that they actually exist as concrete things? No, because but that's, that's, the, what they that's claim. the Santa Claus argument. I can actually find the dimension of a definition in which I can say, look, I found the thing I'm when looking for. you say for. the dimension, though, what do you mean by that? Because every observation is based on the preconditions of the moment in which that observation is formed. And as the observer, you are defining the analyte, the observation condition, and you're, the, you're defining your own sense of verification that you found the thing you were looking for. So what every you were alluding to earlier was those that- things is a fallacy. Correct. So I, I'm well aware that like when we talk about the, the application of the scientific method, when we're looking at an observed natural phenomenon and attempting to ascertain what is the cause of that observed natural phenomenon, there is it's yes, I agree. It's, it's almost leaning it's, on futile. I completely agree because there are so many factors that are at play. But yeah. when we're talking about a thing as if it is a concrete thing and then assigning terms like biological weapon or. Yep. How, so how, how do we let's wrestle with that? Let's be clear on what biological weapon is. That is defined under 18 U.S. Code, Section 175. Okay. Okay. Now, does that mean it exists? Who knows? What it means is there's a legal definition for it. Okay. Okay. There's not a legal definition for virus. Just like there now is about a dozen definitions for vaccine. And by the way, none of them going all the way back to Pasteur, who falsified his own data on his anthrax vaccine. So let's be abundantly clear, even when we started calling vaccines vaccines, we were lying then, so we're still lying now. But the issue is actually one where historical relevance and the language definition is simple. If what I'm saying is that I have taken a fragment of a living system, ricin, as a wonderful example, it's plant-derived, right? There's nothing about ricin that is harmful to humans when it's in long pods hanging from trees. But I can take something from those long pods, I can synthesize it, I can purify it, and I can spray it into a subway system, and I can kill people. That is a biological weapon. That is a weapon derived okay. from biology. Great. And, and with respect to viruses, though, you're here saying that there's not sufficient proof that they exist as entities. Yet, as an example, in your speech to the European Parliament, yeah. you said, and I quote, we've been engineering this pathogen for 56 Correct. years. In 1966, the very first COVID model was used as a transatlantic biological experiment. SARS-1 and 3 came from a laboratory in Chapel Hill. That's an correct. infectious replication defective clone of a coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we wrestle with you first saying that there's no proof of these things and that okay. it's almost and, and, and this is this is the point, Alec, and this is why I said that, you know, the last time this conversation meaningfully took place probably was somewhere between the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Chaldea in the fourth and fifth centuries. The the problem that you have in this conversation is we're not having a conversation about apples and apples. What I'm referring to there is I'm using the terms associated with the documents that I'm reciting. That is not David Martin's position 
That is actually the reported document. That is no different from saying that I'm actually quoting 18 U.S. code. But you say we, you say we, which is implying that you are a part of that, which is implying no, no, no. that it's it, we. No, it's not. That's a colloquial we. We are responsible as a human race for allowing things to happen. You just described the fact that you served in the military. I would no more suggest to you that as a member of the military, you are the we collectively, which you in fact are. There's a shitload of things that are done by the military that I have nothing but contempt and have absolute reprehensible sensitivities around. But if I actually said we, I mean that as a nation, we fund and we support a military that has been used sometimes for very beneficial purposes and sometimes for horrible purposes. And the collective we is a statement of accountability, which all of us are responsible for. Every single person who funded NIH, that's every taxpayer in America, paid for the weaponization of nature. When you, when you say that, though, what do you mean by weaponization of nature? As, as an example. Very simple. I, you take, let, let, me, you, let me finish real quick. As, oh, an, exam- okay. yeah. uh, as an example. I've done a deep dive, as have doctors Tom Cowan, Dr. Andy Kaufman, Dr. Amanda Vollmer, Drs. Mark and Sam Bailey, yep. Dr. St- Stefano Scoglio, and several others into these so-called gain-of-function experiments. And they're based in, again, unproven pseudoscientific presuppositions using no animal question. models. Where no they're taking, so, so you agree that there's not sufficient proof that they're actually weaponizing a virus? No, no, no. no, no. It's, it's... It, so, so purification of an agent of harm or death is, in fact, the weaponization as defined by 18 U.S. Code. Yeah, but what is what your I'm definition? not saying, and this is the trap that Tom Cowan and others get into, and Tom Cowan took this cute little pot shot, but once again, has zero integrity in having an honest conversation about what this is about. This I'm is having an honest simple, conversation with you right now. Though. No, it's a very simple conversation, and the conversation is this. If you derive... A synthetic process stimulated by a chemical you found in a naturally occurring phenomenon, that synthesis... Chemical, I'm is, assuming you're meaning the nucleic acids. Well, a series of that nucleic have, acids. That are, that are, that are no, unknown No problems. acid by itself is the issue. It's the assembly of a model of nucleic acids assembly. that form a molecule that. that form a molecule that is, in fact, pathogenic. The molecule is pathogenic insofar as we know from the gain-of-function research that was done, we know that you can take open reading frames, which is just another name for a molecule, you can put that molecule into a living system, and you can create with that molecule a inflammation of a living system. Does that mean that it has the ability to replicate? Nope, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, they patented replication defectivity because they knew it wouldn't replicate. So the issue is a very simple one. If you read the exact nature of the study, particularly the ones from 1999 to 2002, what you have is a very clear piece of evidence that says molecules sampled and then modified by humans turned into a thing that was pro-inflammatory and created, in the case of rabbits, cardiomyopathy in rabbits. And okay. it created- and when, we, when we look at these experiments, though, David, as an example, for during the end of COVID, doctors Mark and Sam Bailey go into extensive details on exactly what happened with ferrets and so-called gain-of-function experiments 
And yeah. it's just a series of passages and then grinding up nasal tissue from a ferret and injecting it into another ferret and then finding sequences that are different and claiming, ah, this is proof of a, uh, of a weaponized and a more lethal, more pathogenic and a slightly altered variant of a virus. And those well, are gain of function see, experiments. See, this is, where, this is where the problem is. Gain of function is a term that has been highly, highly misrepresented from the standpoint of two different parts of this conversation. One is the idea that we're going to create this hypervirulent thing. Okay, so we talk about that in iatrogenic infections in hospital. That somehow or another, whether it's MRSA, whether it's CMV, whether it's any of these things which are allegedly going to be amplified by the use of various types of drugs or antibiotics, we're creating what we call superbugs, okay? So there is a theory, there is a class of study that says that by intervention with one or more therapeutic agents, we are amplifying the pathogenicity of something. And that's when you say pathogenicity, whole... that, that words have meaning here. What do you yeah. mean by pathogenicity? And that's what I'm saying. There's a whole school of thought that's talking about this amplification effect. That's a okay. very, very, there's tons and tons and tons of research on this idea that somehow or another, by treating one thing, you're amplifying the vir virulence or pathogenicity of another thing. Yeah, but there when you say a another. thing, what, what are you referring to? Because you've often spoke about these things as if they are well-established. No, Alec, what I, and this is, you know, listen, my role in this entire program, just like my role in doing bioweapons inspections in 2003 and 2005 and other times for the United States government, my role is really simple. My job is to actually publicly bring light to facts that stand in controversy to the official narrative. The official narrative and the facts that are presented by me are the point, not what those facts are. The facts are that scientific publications stated that there was the development of a pathogen. Now, I'm not saying there was or was not. I'm simply saying that if you're going to pretend like this thing mysteriously came out of a Wuhan wet market, and in 2016, you actually say the same thing was isolated and prepared for human deployment, you cannot say those two things and get away with it. My role and my very public role in this situation has been to restrain from stating my opinion ever. My opinion is not known by you or by anyone else for a simple reason. It is because my opinion has not been asked for and I have not offered it. What I have done is I've supplied evidence to say that the official narrative is falsifiable by their own record. So with that, though, do you think that um, here, let me let me frame this in the best way that I can. If the facts are coming from a place of completely uh, of being completely unproven, if Correct. these alleged facts are coming from a place of being completely unproven, Correct. why is it not um, important to raise awareness to the reality that there's actually Be because, no proof of these Because so you're facts? unwilling, just like everybody else is unwilling, to actually question the fundamental problem. That's not true. DNA, I question it all the time. No, I question no, no. The, I'm, the saying, I'm saying causality. You, you, you have written and posted frequently about causality. And I actually challenge causality at its fundamental. I'm the only person you've ever heard talking about 1663 Gottfried Liebens until this presentation. You didn't even know about him. You don't know about the fact that the heresy goes back to the schism, 
that actually set apart the Eastern Orthodox Church, whether Jesus was one being or two being. The fact of the matter is, we can go back, and I do this, by the way, is part of the thing that I do in the presentations that I make all over the world. I'm willing to go back and I'm willing to challenge every single foundational assumption and ask the question, have we considered the implication of that particular underlying assumption? Can you step, step back for a moment and just go, okay, what's the assumption behind that? Okay, have you, have you questioned the, the implication of the underlying assumption that there is a pathogenic disease-causing particle being passed from person to person publicly? Absolutely. I've done it many, many times. In fact, I've got an, a year's worth of videos doing that. In fact, I said that at the very beginning, my first video was this was actually a disease of numbers, not a disease of that. anything. This was a propaganda warfare. My engagement with the propaganda warfare was to show that the propagandists themselves had their own falsifiable evidence, and the public wasn't talking about it. So my role in this was not to discuss the merits of science, because there has not been science. Listen very carefully. There has not been science in the United States since 1798. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but it also depends None. on what you classify as science. Because no, I'm talking no, about it science, doesn't. Because science, it, it does. By its very it nature, does. no, science by its very nature is the thoughtful introspection of observation that becomes serialized to start deriving generalized conclusions. It is not, and it never will be, the promulgation of a dogma such that it supports an industrial complex. And since 1798, every single thing that has been branded science, and by the way, I could go back earlier, because technically in 1663, the charter in London that established the Royal Academy linked the pursuit of science to the pursuit of colonial industry. So I could go back to 1663 and say that that's where it got hijacked. But 1798 in the United States, when Thomas Jefferson was cowed into this idea that we were going to use intellectual property as the basis for our economic hegemony in the United States and the formation of the patent system. That decision hijacked science permanently in the United States. Yeah, when I, when I talk about science, I'm saying the study of natural phenomena. And the natural yeah, science, well, I would say the natural we science would vigorously tries to explain. Agree. We would vigorously okay. agree on that point. And natural science tries to explain and predict nature's phenomena based on empirical evidence. And that would mean employing the scientific method. And the scientific method is attempting to determine what is the cause of an observed natural yeah, phenomena. And, that's, and that's, where you're, that's where you and I would have a disagreement, because I don't think we're lo ever looking at causes. What we're trying to do is understand the interaction between systems. Causality is always going to be a dangerous slope that I will refuse to get on simply because causality is the ultimate hubris of humanity. We think that we understand multidimensional. I would agree with that. We have no clue. I would at, agree with that. At the, so, so the idea that the scientific method has to then have its natural reduction to causality, I think, is absolute horseshit. Well, I mean, that is the scientific method, though. It's, a, it's attempting yeah, well, to it's determine not. What, what is it the is, cause. It is the bastardization of an industrial scientific method, I agree, but it is not what the scientific method is. The scientific method is a series of observations. So, for example, I'll give you an actual example of this. For many, many, many years, we have used hepatocytes 
do drug toxicity studies. And the bummer is that liver cells outside of the human body die quickly. Mm-hmm. And so a biological engineer in the University of Virginia came up with this idea that maybe we don't understand hepatocytes very well. And that was a good observation. He was just making up hypothesis that we don't understand hepatocytes. So what he said was, hey, maybe if what we do is we wash those hepatocytes with a natural flow that mimics blood flow, we would get a different response from those cells. Mm -hmm. Not surprisingly, by mirroring the conditions in which hepatocytes naturally live, what happened was the company Hemoshere, which is a company here in Charlottesville, figured out how to keep hepatocytes alive. Now, that's Mm -hmm. a really important thing. But the guy who actually came up with the idea was a biomedical engineer, and his entire proposition was around shear forces. His theory, which, by the way, there was a lot of merit in, his theory was that the actual pulsatile flow across a cell stimulated something in the cell that mimicked the pulse of the heartbeat. Great theory. And he was right. By pulsing the medium across the cells, he was able to get hepatocytes to keep growing. But he wasn't looking at the electrical charge of red blood cells. Now, if you've ever taken multivariate statistics, which I used to teach, what you find is that there's an interesting problem. You can have a perfect model once again, drawn out of this regression causality question. And you could conclude, oh my gosh, he was right. The shear force of the flow across the membrane of the cell was the reason why hepatocytes lived. And if he stopped asking that question, he would have causally concluded a right answer. If by definition of right, we mean, could we get hepatocytes to keep living? But I said, hold on a minute, doesn't blood as it flows across the cell, have charged particles, and isn't there electromagnetic field that's created by the pulsing of blood across the same membrane? And it turns out that if you actually put a charged particle across there, you also found out hepatocytes grew. Now, what's the point? The point is, through the lens of a biomedical engineer, he actually did science, did the scientific method, and concluded correctly If by definition of concluded correctly, we mean we got hepatocytes to grow, he was right. But here's the problem. He had never asked the question, is there a charge particle? Is there an EMP or an EMF element to the exact same phenomenon? And it turns out that that was also correct. And here's where causality fails. Causality is only as good as the length of time we stay at the question. Because we will get to the place where we're pretty damn convinced we figured it out. And then what we'll do is we'll reify that into dogma. And then we'll build businesses around it and we'll build all kinds of other things around it. And God help us. If somebody comes along and says, maybe it was sheer force, maybe it was electrical. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything that you said there. I know you don't. That's what I'm saying. That's the problem. The problem is that the minute we go to the regression end, which is we now have causality, we have blinded ourselves for sure. So l- l- let me let me interrupt real quick though to ask a very direct question. When you say that there is a biological weapon, yes, and you're now saying that you don't think there is a biological weapon, or do nope. you? I don't know. I didn't say that. There's okay, absolutely so, a biological weapon. It is a okay, biologically so what, derived toxin. Okay. So okay. So what is the application of this biological weapon according to you then? 
The application is injected into people. It is actually a pro-inflammatory, pro-oncologic trigger to actually harm and so, kill so people. So the biological weapon is coming in the form of injection. That's correct. correct. Okay. So is there no a, question? Okay. I don't disagree with that. Is there a biological weapon that is being spread from no. person to person? Never no. has been. Never has been. Okay. Oh, I think we can agree on that. Okay. So David, then my, my question is, um, given what you just stated there, don't you think it's important to clarify that publicly? No, because here's the problem. <laughs> Listen, I went up to Capitol Hill and I sat down with Senator Ron Johnson, who at the time was the only senator who was even willing to consider that maybe there was a potential that there was a crime being committed. This is very, 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 very important. I sat with my wife in Ron Johnson's conference room, and I laid out the entire evidence that this was a racketeering crime. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. It is. And by the way, that's not an allegation. That's their own admission. They have admitted that this was a racketeering crime. The fact is that every single piece of the Sherman Act and the Clayton Act have been violated. There is no question about what I just said. None. Zero. That is an open and shut case. And Ron Johnson and his staff produced a series of graphs that said, look, these are excess deaths. I said, based on what? And, I, and he said, well, the CDC says that these are excess deaths. I said, I understand that that's what the CDC says. I said, but did you read the footnote? And by the way, I'm answering your question. Did you read the footnote under the graph? This is not, did you go in a deep exploration of statistics? Did you read the footnote under the graph? No. Did any of the staff read the footnote under the graph? No. And here's the problem, Alec. In an ideal world, you and I would vigorously be on the same page. Wouldn't it be a great to have a symposium where we actually beat people senseless around the stupidity of regression? which, by the way, every person learned in ninth grade. Wouldn't it be great if we actually realized that the eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that you have in front of you with your notes on it, wouldn't it be great to know that that was a Pythagorean ideal that was a constant blinding of the optic nerve so that we actually have to see the irrational proportion of eight and a half by 11 so that we can never actually understand the printed word on a page? Wouldn't it be great to go back and realize that the paper cabal figured out how to constrain what we think our knowledge is. Wouldn't it be great to realize that in the 1440s, when David, I don't think anyone invented the printing press, that, so. we actually put sharp metallic objects into the black ink so that we could blind the optic nerve to be able to read with greater fatigue so we read less instead of read more because vellum and red. Here's the problem, Alec. If we're serious about the question you're asking then the answer is you're damn straight. I'd love to go back and do that. But you know how many people pay attention? You know how many people pay attention to the untested hypothesis that comes from, hey, why did we have asymptomatic spread? Well, we had asymptomatic spread because we have original sin. I, original David, sin, I don't, I don't disagree. And I, like that, a healthy that, person. David, let me, let me interrupt real quick. Let me, let me interrupt. I've had a, several people in the comments saying that you're not really letting me talk, and I'd appreciate you letting me talk. So. Well, all I'm saying, you're asking, you're asking a question, you're getting the answer, and that's the problem. What's the problem? The question and the answer is not a soundbite, and that's where the problem is. 
Your own listeners are proving the point. In what respect? Because I'm, I'm simply asking a direct if question. If you are going to answer the fundamental assumptive question that are the reason why we are blinded into the belief of pandemics and pathogens, then you have to go back to some roots that none of us. But then, why do you talk? To, okay, time out. Then why do you talk about them as if they are well-established, concrete things? When you, speak? I don't. I you simply do, am though, offering. David. No, I'm simply offering the evidence that the propaganda was a lie. The evidence that the propaganda was a lie, but the evidence that the propaganda was a lie extends to there is no proof. You're talking about falsifying their unproven hypothesis. And that's but no, I'm not. I'm talking about falsifying their narrative. And those are the two different things that is the subtlety we're missing. Okay, so what's the difference between falsifying their narrative and falsifying the idea that there is a microscopic, uh, a sub-microscopic intracellular parasite that is being passed from person to person causing them? Yeah, that's to a very sick. simple, that's a very simple question. There is no crime in having a wrong thought. There is a crime in having a wrong act. And the difference between your conversation and questions and my reality is I am focused on defining and holding accountable the crime. The crime is an act where you have the evidence of a thing and then you lie to the public and you seduce the public and you coerce the public into taking something that is meant to harm and destroy them. That is a criminal act. It is not a crime to think wrong. It is a crime to do wrong. Yeah, so my response to that would be, David, if there is no proof of the alleged cause necessitating the need for any of the health measures that were implemented over the last three and a half years, don't you think it's important to highlight the fact that there was no proof of the alleged cause in the first place? I've already done that. That's my first video that I did publicly. What did you say in that video? That this was a statistics game of terror and the promulgation of terror. No, I'm saying literally speaking. There was no COVID. There was no SARS. There was no COVID-19. I said it very clearly. You said that there is no SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. Yep, and I said there's no COVID-19, very clearly. So, okay, so then, David, I mean, I'm just asking direct questions based on your own public statements. So, your Yeah, but that's the problem. Out of context, I can find a thing that I can say and go, well, you said this on one day. Put it in context, and you will not find okay, the so problem. Okay, what, so what, what is the context, then, of saying it, uh, this is during your speech to the European Parliament, yep. coronavirus as a model of a pathogen was isolated and nice. As a model I'm, of a pathogen. Don't jump over that. Don't jump okay. over that. Okay, but, but when you because speak that's about... that's what Tom Cowan did, and that's exactly what this conversation does. I said, as a model of a pathogen. Does that mean that Dave Martin said it was a virus? No. Does it mean that Dave Martin exists, says it exists? No. Do you think I it's think important to publicly clarify pathogen. what the model means then, though, David? Because most people who are not understanding of the lack of validity of virology are going to hear you say model, and it's going to completely go over their head. So but don't you think it's kind of important? That's the reason why precision in what I say is the point. I am very precise. And what I do, I do with great care. And when I say as a model of a pathogen, that is no different from me saying that in 1953, Watson and Crick developed a model of DNA. DNA does not exist. I don't disagree with that. It doesn't. I don't disagree. I know you don't. That's why we're vigorously agreement. Alec, the reason we're having this conversation 
is to show the fact that we have to be actually precise. David, precise you're blowing is speaking over model right. as though that's not in my sentence. David, but when we're talking about being precise, there's a reason that a number of people hold your statements to be conflicting and confusing. So being precise, because they're not be... actually reading my statements. They're reading your opinion of my statement. No, I'm talking about literally listening to your statements, which was the whole point of me bringing you on here. I'm trying to get clarity. And I do have a little bit more clarity that you don't think that there is a thing spreading no. from person to person. That's I appreciate that. This is this is the point. I've of never the suggested that there was one. David, my point is, though, that when we're talking, you're saying that it's important to be precise. Correct. I agree with you. So then, in then, precision, then let's stick to the precision of what I said. David, your public statements are Correct. confusing, David. No, they're not. If you listen to them, they're not. If you read it, my material, they're not. David, I've, I watched no less than six videos of yours. And there are several documents that you didn't watch. Okay, David, but when people do you do you expect that everyone needs to watch all of your videos in order yeah, because to get, I okay. build on a theme? Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with building on a theme, but it's also important to clarify what you mean by saying model. Okay, well, I can make that very simple. The model is a very simple thing. We actually have uh, under what's called the general atomic theory, we have a model that says a proton and a neutron form the basis of what we call a nucleus around which electrons spin. Mm -hmm. That is bullshit. I have a whole Agreed. business that is actually proof that that doesn't exist. But the whole world assumes that atomic matter is somehow the building block of everything. Agree. Totally agree. There are no atoms. There never have been and there never will be. Oh, there there's no, I would say there's no proof of them, but yes. I'm yes. sorry? I would say there's no proof of them, but yes. Uh, no. Fair. No, they don't exist. Mm -hmm. We have a construct that says in a phase of an observation, we think we see energy organized in a particular way. But an atom is no different from Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. No different. I can give you the conditions under which you can observe it, and I can also give you the conditions under which you can't observe it. So the whole reason why we have quantum theory is because we were wrong about atoms. Mm -hmm. We were wrong. It's just that simple. So we have a whole mathematics to justify the preservation of a wrong model. The model of an atom then gives rise to the model, model of a thing that we call a nucleic acid. Now, nucleic acids do not exist. They actually are representations of charged energy that actually finds itself bound into, in phases, a phase condition that assembles into a particular form. But if we actually went and said, does guanine look like it's purple and cytosine look like it's green and does uracil look like it's yellow and does whatever, you know what, make up your own silly stories, make up your own little boxes that look like Lego sets and then go, look, this is what it looks like. Well, no, it doesn't. And that's never been what it looks like. We have no freaking clue what it looks like because it doesn't exist. So Agreed. now we get to the, we have a model of DNA. Now, how did we get the model of DNA? We got the model from an X-ray crystallography that actually showed a quadrahelix, not a double helix system. So figure that one out. And the process, time out, the process for X-ray crystallography yeah. in itself is riddled with so, endless unproven assumptions. So, but, so, yes. so, so find the myriad of ways in which 
We think that we have. And then we took that, by the way, and we stole it from the people who actually did it. And then we awarded the Nobel Prize to the guys that didn't really do it. So setting all of that aside, what I mean by model is this. A model, like a belief system, no different. Model is a belief system. I would totally agree with that. A model is nothing more than the reification of a belief system that is asked to be unquestioned. Totally agree with that. Totally agree. You could substitute the word dogma. Yeah. And it would be the same thing. Mm -hmm. You could substitute the word belief and it would be the same thing. You could substitute the word religion and it would be the same thing. Every single one of those things is when you are told by a person in authority, stop asking a question. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by model Substitute belief, substitute dogma, substitute religion, substitute anything you want is nothing more than the fact that we are told not to ask a question because the model can't be questioned, just like the belief can't be questioned, just like religion can't be questioned. And the fact of the matter is anything that is too weak to stand against questioning is not worth the human's effort. Mm -hmm. And Say I that last part one more time. Anything you put next to it. Whether you think it's science, whether you think it's religion, whether you think it's faith, if it can't be questioned, it's not worth the brain power that you apply to it. Yeah, and but then if it is an unproven, unfounded belief system, do you think it's important to question that belief system? Especially, no. why not Listen, though? If uh, for let, let, me, let me finish, let me finish. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. It's a great question. Yeah. Yes, because I I've said this before on my show. I have no problem with people having beliefs. I have beliefs, many of which are completely unproven. I recognize that. But the point is when there is a belief system that is not rooted in uh, repeatable and observable yeah. incidents in reality, this is, this is a model, this is a belief system that has no basis, has no merit in actual, whether it be scientific or just observational experiences, and then it is then weaponized upon the entire human population, yep. I think it is imperative that we attack the root of that belief system. And attacking and, the root of that belief yeah. system here, because, David, I don't think you would disagree we, with this. Agree. Everything that has happened over the last three and a half years, much of what underpins allopathic medicine, literally the things that underpin all of the vaccine program around the world, is this completely pseudoscientific, unproven idea that not only disease is passed via the fluids of a sick person, but there are these obligate intracellular parasites that exist that yep. replicate inside of a host yep. cell? And it's yep. important, I think, to shed light on that because that would then say all of these measures are completely fraudulent. And as we have in, in Germany, a man by the name of Marvin Haberland used exactly what I'm describing here to win in court in Germany, showing that there is no proof of the alleged cause necessitating the need for these health measures, and they let him off. So this idea that we have to argue on their playing field in order to win is just not true. We can show so that Alex, there's no proof yeah. of the alleged thing yeah. necessitating and, the need for any of this. And, and, and this is where it's probably helpful for you and your audience to know my bias, which comes from my lived experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. I grew up in a very, very austere religious environment. Mm -hmm. Very austere. 
And I was rejected from that environment as a heretic. I actually have physical and lifetimes of damage done to me for actually doing exactly what you said. Why don't you just go ahead and and go after the the fundamental belief and and tip the whole thing over? Well, you know what? I've spent my life doing that. I did that in the conflict regions of both the Pacific and Africa. And I've done that a lot of places around the world. And I have physical scars on my body for doing it. That's fair. Okay? So I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to repeat something that I've done for a lifetime and found out that doing that thing for a lifetime actually caused me physical and psychological harm that I do not have any chance of recovering from. Now, and when I say recovering, I'm not saying that I need to recover from it. It's part of my life. I know what it's like to actually have physical harm done to my physical being because of a belief system. I grew up that way. I know what that's like. And I'm not suggesting for a moment, Alec, and by the way, I applaud you. I applaud Tom. I applaud, you know, a ton of people who are actually saying, hey, our mission right now is to shine a light on these other issues. That's fine. And guess what? You know what I've never done? I have never once told somebody to not do what they were called to do. But let me be abundantly clear on what I am doing. What I am doing is I am showing that in this case of the domestic and now international terrorism resulting in the death of American citizens and citizens of the world, that a group of people conspired through a criminal conspiracy, conspired to violate the antitrust laws of the United States and antitrust laws of the world, and conspired to create an act of global terrorism for the sole purpose of administering what was going to be a toxin into the arms of billions of people for the sole purpose of their self-enrichment and for the sole purpose of them obtaining control for which they have done nothing but terrorize the population to acquire. And my mission was singular and is that. (laughs) That does not deprive you or Tom or anyone else of the mission that I equally think is important. However, I I would say very clearly is, if you are going to pick on the question of terrain versus pathogen, or whatever you decide you pick on, then have the integrity of asking the question all the way back to the beginning. Because we have at a fundamental human problem right now, this notion that somehow or another, even in Tom's terrain theory bullshit, we've got another problem, which is he's not testing the assumption that goes back to, we still have a fundamental picture of humans where we have not done a good job of defining how we're going to emancipate ourselves from this question of causality. I, 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 I got to stop you there because I, I, I talk with Tom on a weekly basis, and that's not true. Tom absolutely well, questions if you all read his material, including his book, he actually goes into causations all through his book. And he's not, I don't see him questioning Y equals MX plus B in any of the things he does. And what I'm saying is, if you're going to question the fundamentals, then question all of them. 
I, Tom absolutely questions all of them, but that's like a separate point from here. So one thing I will I'm say is saying, that's a, but that's okay. the point. The point is there's nothing that deprives you or Tom or anybody else of doing the things that they're doing. But, you know, I didn't take Tom's videos and take pot shots and say that I'm going to lampoon an effort that he's doing. I'm not doing that. Well, David, no like, to be fair. That. Okay. I'll speak for myself here without bringing in other people at all. For myself, when you're here talking with me saying that you agree with us falsifying their unproven ideas, you agree with that. You've established that on this no call. No question. Yes. But then when you speak publicly, again, for those who are unfamiliar now, thank goodness that you've clarified what we're talking about when we say viral model, or when you're talking about literally one of your quotes, SARS-1 and O3 came from a laboratory in Chapel Hill. Correct. These are the type of statements. But that's a true that, statement. That was a toxin created in Chapel Hill. Can you show me that, that there was a toxin created in Chapel yeah, Hill? Because the open reading you, frame in the 2002 document very clearly says human respiratory target. Okay. So w with that, though, human respiratory target, when you say SARS-1, the implications yeah. of saying SARS-1, when we're talking about being precise with speech, that's right. reifying the virus belief system rather than saying allegedly or this was delivered exclusively via injection my point is the way that it's coming across for those who have not done the work to look at the foundational so-called evidence of virology is it's reifying this idea that there is a particle being passed from person to person and it's not helping to dispel more myths surrounding it that's and, and, and your your observation is correct and that is not my mission my mission is a criminal mission, not a scientific mission. That's fair. Okay. Um, I have a few more questions. By the way, Alec, mm -hmm. thank you. This is the kind of conversation we should be having. Agreed. This I is totally actually agree. the right conversation because it should be the legitimate and honest conflict of perspectives that ultimately gives rise to a perspective that at the end, none of us came in with. That's the mm -hmm. right way to advance, in my view, civilization. Yeah, no, I, I think it's important to have these conversations. And that's why I'm going there. I will say I still think that what you say publicly, given what you're expressing here, is very confusing for people who have not yeah. looked into this stuff. Yeah, but, 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 but that's the nature of courtrooms, and that's the nature of legal systems. I have to live inside of legally defined terms like 18 U.S. Code. I have to live inside of 21 CFR 50. You know what that's like inside of a command and control system in the military. Agree. You totally. know damn good and well that you can't just go, well, I don't think that the concussive round of that grenade has the velocity that it says in the mill spec, so I'm not going to use it. If you're told you're going to use that particular grenade, guess what you do? You fucking pull the pin and throw it. And the fact of the matter is, you're you're not in, nobody's interested in whether or not you agree with the nature of the mill spec of that ordinance. You are asked to deploy that ordinance, and that's what you are there to do. But so the David, issue and, is and, a simple one. We don't necessarily have the time or the space, and certainly I do not have the time or the space or the patronage or anything else to get into every one of the topics that I would love to cover. Yeah, but I it's, do, not, it's not getting into every clear, one of the topics. It's, it's a I foundational a topic, week, David. I spend a week every year with a group of interested people 
where we go through the opening assumptions on every one of these things. And guess what? Anybody's welcome to come to it. Why, why are you, okay, quick question though. Why are you attempting to debate from inside their paradigm though, instead of just showing- I'm not debating inside their paradigm. I'm actually pursuing a criminal case. Okay. That's but, not debating. But could, again, referring back to the situation with Marvin Haberland in Germany, there is precedent that arguing the position that there is no proof of the alleged cause that necessitated the need for any of this stuff is yep. a valid position, and it is the fundamental but not thing valid in any U.S. Stuff. court. Not valid in any so? U.S. court. Every one of the court efforts that have been made around that have been actually dismissed outright. They've been Show dismissed. me examples that they've been dismissed outright. Cite specific okay. ones. Listen, every one of the cases that said that there was no cause for the emergency authorization, and there are Jean Dedarian is the one that you should reference because she's the one that actually did this. This isn't true. Stefan Lanka proved Lanka. this in court and won. I'm sorry. And then so did Stefan Lanka won in court in Germany on his measles case. I said in and the United States. There is not a single case in the United States where the merits of this were even willing to be considered by the court. Who's tried? Who's tried to come with? Well, we did in federal court, and we were actually dismissed for standing. So, did you say you know, that there is no it. proof of the existence or pathogenicity of SARS-CoV-2 directly? That's correct. That's in the case. Read the federal case, and we submitted that in the federal court in Utah. Okay, I'd be interested and to it's see that. Stipulated that viruses exist, and it's stipulated that vaccines work, and that's stipulated in a footnote. So, that's stipulated by a federal judge. Okay. I have a, another set of questions regarding the COVID summit. So um, was this summit, you're talking about like having to speak with the language inside these courts where it, it makes, you know, it, it is using the language that they use, that they accept, right? So with this summit that occurred at the European, European Parliament, um, was this actually an official gathering of the European Parliament? Well, insofar as the MEPs of the European Parliament were the hosts and the venue was the European Parliament, yes. Was it a sitting of the full parliament? Absolutely not. The full parliament was not impaneled for this. It was a European Parliament event. And there are tons of European Parliament events. That's the nature of the European Parliament, where members of parliament, as official sponsors and hosts, hold parliament events. So it was officially an EU event. It was officially an European Union Parliament event, meaning that it followed the protocols of an MEP calling the meeting, publishing the meeting, and being broadcast as a meeting of the European Union. But it was not a full seating of the Parliament. Yeah, but I guess the, the better question is, um, was this meeting held in an official capacity by a, an official governing yes. body or was it outside? No, no, by the members of parliament who hosted the event. Yeah, but there's a difference between me inviting some congressmen and senators to my house and having a discussion with them versus literally having an on-the-record hearing that is— Oh, you know, it's everything, everything in the MEP's jurisdiction is an on-the-record event in the European Union. That's the nature of the European Union bylaws. Okay. Um, so, and there there are more events coming up this summer, and I'm going to be participating in them as well. Well, from what I've read, it was not an official or sanctioned event by the European. That's not Parliament. true. 
That's not true. It was an official sanctioned event by the European Parliament. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I have the documentation that was all of the official materials we had to submit for EU review before our slides were put up, and our slides were officially emblazoned with the EU Parliament logo because of that. Okay. So whoever is doing your fact-checking is, is as good as other fact-checkers. <laughs> um, okay. And... Let me see what else I have. We might have some questions from the audience. Um, I guess more like speaking back to this, this issue of using their language and, yeah. and attempting to argue inside their paradigm. Again, especially with the likes of the World Health Organization, the CDC, uh, Bill Gates, the chair of Gavi, and several others talking about the next one. Yep. And the majority of the health freedom movement holds the belief that there is indeed pathogenic particles being passed from person to person. Do you think that that's an issue? So I think, for example, the, I, I think there's no question that anthrax is a good example was a domestic terrorism attack. And I think real people, in case of one person who I know, died from inhalation anthrax. Mm -hmm. It's not a belief system, it's a fact. Okay. There's no question that the Tokyo subway bombing, which was something that I had the privilege of being part of the investigation team on, there's no question in my mind that somebody got into the air ducts in the Tokyo subway system and murdered people with an aerosolized agent. And there's no question that the aerosolized agent was derived from a natural substance. Yeah. What, what we're so, talking about, are we is going to have another distribution of another thing, which will be used as the proximate rationale for another distribution of another weapon? The answer is yes. Okay, so what, what I'm talking about, though, is there's a distinct difference between a transmissible particle that replicates inside the host where it then yeah. causes illness and then... Yeah. And that one, that one you'll fix when you fix the church. What, what do you mean by that? Well, what I said now on two occasions. That's a doctrine. The doctrine is that there is an agency through which the transmission of illness or death, or in the case of the church, shame and conviction, is transmitted by virtue of nothing that you do, nothing that you say, nothing that you can do, nothing that you can say. It just happens. And as long as we believe in a world where our picture of humanity is that humans are a virus that transmits bad things to generations, as long as we hold that belief in any part of our system, we're screwed. So why because, is it, okay, uh, agree, totally agree with that. But well, then why so, is it, again, again, fix religion that would imply, and we'll fix the problem. That would, again, imply that you um, think it is an issue that much of the health freedom movement has these unfounded, unproven beliefs, especially as oh, we see God. the likes. There's so many things that the health freedom movement Yeah, but I'm talking sp specifically yeah. to this one, though. This one. Oh, though. yeah, I know, but but... But you have the luxury of looking at one thing. I have the luxury of looking at the whole thing. I have the luxury of looking at the fact that I talked about statism. I talked about the belief in the illusion no, of authority. No, but I'm talking about the fact that most of the health freedom movement turned COVID into a money making scheme. Okay. In what capacity? Well, 
fundraising, donations, programs, all sorts of other things. I agree with that. And I'll tell you what, if you profited from COVID, I don't care which side you're on, you're part of the racket. So do you think people should not be compensated for their labor to raise awareness? I think on? they shouldn't be compensated for anything other than the direct costs of actually moving information from point A to point B. Yes, absolutely. And I think that if you are compensated for it, you're part of the problem. So raising awareness to true information, you think people shouldn't be compensated for that? I think for direct costs, yes, and for nothing else. Okay. That's a point of uh, difference between us. But again, yeah, but, I want to go back. But, but that would be something that I would actually say, you know, show me a person who's done what I've done globally on their own dime with zero outside support. David, but what I'm asking, though, is very specific. Do you think but that that's it's an- the point? The point is, if you want to solve the problem, Alec, listen, you're picking one thing. I'm saying if you want to fix the problem, I got a ton of problems that need fixing and I will go after all of them. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to say that one issue is the issue that is the only issue that deserves attention. The fact of the matter is we have got a human condition problem. And that human condition problem includes opportunism, it includes propaganda, it includes distractions, it includes all kinds of things. And I'm more than happy to go totally after all of that. them, Yeah, but I'm not going to pick a bandwagon that says that if you don't do this one, and, and by the way, it comes back to my bias, I told you this, my bias is I grew up in a world where for the sake of a belief system in a God, a child was worthy of being beaten. You know what I'm never going to do? I'm never going to pick a belief system that is preeminent. You know why? Because I've seen where that cancer ends. And it ends on my body. And here's my reality. My reality is as soon as I hear somebody tell me that this is the most important issue, there's a four-year-old boy in me that feels lemon thorns going through my flesh. And guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not gonna be part of that system. So you may think that this is the most important thing and God bless you if you do, because I'm glad that something motivates you into action and I'm celebrating that every day. But if you think that your cause or anybody thinks their cause is the most important cause, then my four-year-old memory feels lemon thorns ripping my skin apart. And I'm not going to participate in any system where we actually think that we can pick the topic around which the proof texting of are you in or are you out is the determinant of whether you're contributing to civil society. Because if you've decided David, I don't what do that. that issue is- Time out, time out. I don't do that, first off. We're done. Second off. First off, I don't do that. Second off, what I'm then talking about- Then don't ask about- me to do something that's outside of my remit. My remit is not to debate viruses. My remit is to hold people accountable for criminal acts that they perpetrated on society. That's my remit. You do yours, I'll do mine, and I will respect yours, but don't disparage mine because you are better. Because it's not about I'm not saying who's better or worse here, brother. Like, what I'm saying is literally taking your statements, right, that are public statements, that and are every one of them for the prosecution of crime. David, you keep interrupting me, dude. I'm trying to every I'm trying to time talk to you. for the prosecution okay. of crimes. You David. are trying to pull me into your dogma, and I will not. Not go. dogma. 
It's not dogma. Point me to dogma. Alec, you know what? You haven't offered an alternative hypothesis. All you've done is criticize the existing incumbent lie. That's not true. We do that during the end of COVID. We absolutely do that during the end of COVID. I've done it several times. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Tell me how you're dealing. No, tell no, me how No, we're not going to turn this conversation around and no, try to put it back on Tell me how you're dealing with neutron you. valence excitation of, of neutron frequencies. You're not talking about we that. We present, we actually, no, we do. We talk about no, the human you actually don't because I've read it. Okay. Really, you've the read all of the, the end is, of COVID. Yes. And the fact is very simple. The fact is really simple. I'm not criticizing your efforts. What I'm not saying is you didn't do anything to support the criminal David, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested I'm trying in to get cl- th- this, this, this segment is called clarifying the viral narratives because I'm trying to get clarity Correct. on where you're coming from. So now and I'm very project- clear on where I'm coming from, and I'm clear David. about the context in which I'm coming. David, again, let me reemphasize here. First off, you've been continually eru- interrupting me when I'm trying to get out what I'm trying to say, one. And two... All I'm trying to do is get clarity on where you're coming from this whole time because the things you say publicly seem to, for a large number of people, not just myself, reify the existence of pathogenic viruses that are transmitted from person I've to never person. said it. David, in your communication on multiple occasions, I have several quotes here coming from multiple videos, they seem to reify this idea that disease is transmitted from person to person. And you're sitting here telling me never that I'm not going far enough. Never once have I said it. Never once have I implied it. David. When I have t- provided written evidence of written publications, Alec, and quoting a thing is not a belief. It is merely quoting a thing. Okay. I think we're at an, uh, at an impasse here then. No, we're not. We're actually celebrating the fact that you are on a mission, and I respect it. And what I do not appreciate is the vitriol that the whatever dogmatic position you're representing. I don't appreciate the fact that what's happened is you've elected to tear down the work that I'm doing, where not once have I torn down the work others are doing. In what way am I tearing tearing down your work? You had people wagering on how quickly you would, quote, destroy me. That was your community. When, on your Twitter, time out, time out. You had my, no problem promoting. So, so time out. You're saying that I waged war against you. Is that what you're implying? That's no question. You actually said it outright. You lied to the public about the fact that did you I, had did I correct that? Did I correct that? Reached out to me. I did reach out to you, David. Alec, what I'm saying is, did I correct simple. that publicly? Did I correct you that? You did publicly? correct it publicly, but it didn't stop the vitriol, and it didn't stop the fact that all over Twitter and all over social media, you and your quotes are the ones that were actually used to allegedly wager how quickly you would you tear me apart. You can go look on any of there, – there have been several so-called no-virus people that have distanced themselves from me because I'm calling them to communicate more kindly and more effectively and more lovingly. So and that's, that's all I'm doing right now. What I'm saying is very simple. No, you're, 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 you're making claims about me. Con- no, put my comments – into the context that I am doing. And then tell me what is inconsistent. What you're trying to do is you're trying to write my comments into a different conversation. And what I'm holding you accountable for is I am pursuing a legal case, and that is my pursuit. I am not pursuing a question of science 
because that is not what I am pursuing. And if that is the topic that we are going to talk about, then I'm more than happy to go into that, but not in the context of what I'm doing right now, because my focus is singular. And that is there was crimes committed resulting in the death of human. I agree and with you. Crimes I don't disagree with need that. Need to be prosecuted, and that is what I'm doing. Okay. And what I am saying is, I agree with you, but the way you communicate reifies the existence of the fundamental thing that necessitates the need for all these things and leads to the development of these products that are killing people. And you just stated a causal statement. And what I'm saying is, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you're right or wrong because I'm telling you what I'm doing and you are deriving from it that I'm reifying a system. And what I'm doing is I'm simply saying I'm using their evidence to hold them accountable. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have much else to say. David, thank you for joining me. This I appreciate it. Thanks, Alec. An interesting discussion. Take care. Thanks.